The form of this might be a bit of an experiment. That's because we haven't. <laughs> um, our shows and then spring break, I think. Like the lead up to our shows. Yeah, that was a lot. Yeah. Remember that? It feels like so long ago now. Oh, yeah. Um, did you get a chance to see Polly's show? Oh, not yet. Uh, I've been bumming it. It was a really interesting career yesterday. Because we were talking about... I don't know if you've seen, I guess you haven't seen it, but it was like a really productive slash critical type of grip. It was kind of like yours. Mm. Um, but one thing that I was, I was talking to Angelica and Kathleen about mm-hmm. the doctor was like, the remember at the beginning of the year how you were like, oh, I want to do the whole like anti-gallery type of thing. <laughs> right. Um, the whole like week I was interested in that. Yeah, yeah. But like, I, we, because we had like the Black Mask Indians come and give a talk. Yeah. Like for the Mardi Gras mm-hmm. suits and stuff, and one of them was like talking about how like I think someone asked him about like where he thought the suits should be long once they're done mm-hmm. being used, and he was like talking about like how the gallery gives him a platform to like spread his work and showcase it to the world and like. Like, sort of, and he's, like, really thankful for that. Yeah. Um, and got me thinking about how, like, all the power structures of, like, like, how we kind of have the privilege to write off the gallery as, like, something. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I feel similarly about the gallery. Like, I'm appreciative of it as a platform but you can be that and still be critical yeah. of like the limitations that the structure imposes on it um like it's a good platform but like it has limitations in terms of like audience like in terms of the like uh i don't know the the like type of like content or like language or structure of communication that you can use within it I guess. yeah but i guess um, like we're still lucky that we're able to even be able to be critical about that and yeah. like just like thinking about how everybody was like shitting on Hurley at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. like oftentimes people are just happy that they have a gallery to begin with that's true showcase their work and we're kind of like yeah we're happy we have it but we also like want to you know <laughs> make conflict yeah it. it's because they're spoiled yeah yeah Yeah, but where would we be if nobody ever pushed, you know? Yeah. Well, that's like the, um, I was talking to someone about, like, um, academic intellectual accessibility. Mm -hmm. So there's, like, we were talking about, like, how Silicon Valley has, like, the whole, like, um, bias problem. Right. Like, she was suggesting that, like, she was asking, like, what about the 
bias of like academic intellectual communication. Mm-hmm. So it's like how much do we have to like how much does a company or a product have to sort of be accessible to everyone in terms of like mm-hmm. intellect yeah. as like one of the it's like you talk about like like racism and um, like genders as like ways of ways a person could kind of be like boxed out mm-hmm. right but sort of she was suggesting and I don't necessarily know if I agree with this in categorization but she's suggesting that like there's also like the whole like academia like intellectual thought and like how does that trickle back down into like being accessible to other people which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of interesting to think about yeah that's definitely like a a huge like tension in academia um I mean like some people think about Like, especially work that's more explicitly in, like, the public interest. Mm-hmm. Like, some people think about, like, think that there's a responsibility to, like, you know, keep their work open access, um, like, aka not behind, like, a paywalled journal, um, like, keep their abstracts at, like, an eighth grade reading level, yeah. um, and, like, cl- clearly communicate to, like, a, a bunch of different audiences, so, like, you write the paper for your, like, conference audience, and then you write the, like, Atlantic piece for, like, you know, more public, like, uh, educated layperson type audience, and then, like, uh, I don't know, like, Atish has done work, like, he's written for Wired, he's also made, like, YouTube videos with Minute Physics, which is, like, an even more accessible layer of that, so. I mean, there's definitely people who think about this in academia, but you're right that it's not like a, it's not like a norm that pervades the whole uh, profession, I guess. Do you think it's like an ethical thing, ethical thing, like you would categorize other things as ethical sort of considerations, or do you think like the like accessibility of intellect is sort of a different type of conversation. Hmm. I definitely think it's an ethical like it's at least a normative thing like should we should we make research accessible or not and I like like I would say that it's an ethical issue in the sense that like I mean even in the, like, pragmatic sense that a lot of research is, like, funded by, uh, like, government grants and stuff, and that, Mm -hmm. like, that already suggests, like, an obligation to the public, but also just, Mm -hmm. like, in terms of, like, there's so much, especially now, like, misinformation is, like, a word that gets tossed around, and, like, some of it's malicious, but some of it's just, like, lazy reporting, and, like, lazy communication on the side of, like, I'm not, I'm not saying lazy reporting and, like, oh, it's journalist's fault. It's, like, both, like, in terms of, like, the communication channels and, like, um, academics kind of 
not being like clear about maybe like for example the, the limitations of the research that they do um mm -hmm. like you can do a study that's like oh like for this specific platform like for this segment of the population like there's this effect in terms of like fake news uh, yeah. or whatever and then like somehow through the game of telephone and like the hype cycle it turns into like fake news ruined the world there's but, um, that kind of reminds me of like sensationalism in academia like yeah. i just think of all those papers and like biology yeah and, like nature and yeah that are like oh we've cured cancer right for, like the thousandth time yeah you know? and like how much of that is like the responsibility of the researcher to like be less sensational about yeah. their findings yeah or like because like th they may th think that their work actually has like a huge impact mm -hmm. and sort of like hypes it up that way yeah um and then like how much of it is the responsibility of like the like the media or whoever to kind of glean through that. It's like the yeah. same thing in a way like you could say with tech is mm -hmm. like people hype up their product or their company yeah. because they're like, oh, it's going to change the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then, and like sure you can be like super into that, but like how much of it is like also your responsibility to like be kind of more sober about how you spread that. Yeah. Definitely. That's a really good connection back to tech, because, like, I think there's a common kind of systematic, like, messed up thing in the incentive structure for both both uh, areas where it's, like, it's, like, attention, right? It's, like, how um, your work is judged by, like, how much attention it gets. And, like, so in academia, it's, like, publish or perish. Like, novel novelty is rewarded right. over, like, good science, maybe, right. yeah. sometimes. Um, and... Same with tech, like, a flashy demo is rewarded more than, like, a sustainable or, like, well-thought-out kind it's, of... Yeah, it's like how, yeah. like, I was talking, like, it's like, I was talking to Stephen about, like, mental health and, like, social good initiatives, like, yeah. those don't really have a place in, like, Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. just because of the way incentive structures kind of exist, and it's like, how do you... And it also goes back to capitalism, mm -hmm. right, or it's, like, just money... It's like, how does a commercial place sell, like, social good versus, yeah. like, flashy good product? Right. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, at least I'd like to think that being in academia is, like, a, a way to at least sort of have less financial pressure. I mean, like, you have to write grants and stuff, but no one's expecting you to, like, commercialize anything. Um, which at least introduces, like, a different type of work that is possible. But there's still, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. And that's kind of like the... I think at some point, I don't think this anymore, but I think at some point I was, like, kind of not super happy with the whole, like, research for research, research's sake, and, like, mm -hmm. having... Like, that was, like, my whole argument for, like, wanting to do research in an institute, like, in industry. Mm -hmm. environment yeah. environment is like you're doing research for researchers sake but then it never makes it back into kind of the like into like mass consumption or like mm -hmm. you know just like not like it never makes it out of the academy yeah yeah well I guess the way I think about that is like I mean well, not, uh, also not to make a blanket statement, because I don't think real-world impact is a priority for every researcher, although it is for me. Um, like, 
there's different ways to think about immediate impact though like products and like usage is one of them but there's also like influence in terms of like ideas uh, both in terms of like teaching yeah. and also public communication like I mean you, like think about Muriel Cooper and like information landscapes and like how influential that is as an idea it's like the sexiness like, of impact right what do you mean by that like actually so yeah. sorry like I think there's like a certain fetishization of high achieving people to want to make an impact. Mm-hmm. At least, like, if you think about how things are marketed to us mm-hmm. at Princeton, like in terms of postgraduate plans, we right. often talk about impact mm-hmm. on a sort of societal, kind of, like, you're, it's always like making real world impact, and there's like yeah. this sort of, this sort of like, pigeonholing of the definition of impact to, like, the one where you make impact by making products or, like, mm-hmm. changing or influencing right. the real world, where I think I think also, like, more and more, so I'm kind of realizing that impact actually has a ton of definitions yeah. and yeah, ways yeah. you can, so, like, how you're talking about, like, ideas or teaching, like, mm-hmm. like Miro Cooper, these are all, like, high, like, they're not necessarily impactful in kind of like the Princeton definition of impact. Mm, yeah. Right, like people don't really look at going to TFA or like doing the Peace Corps as something that is, you know, glamorous. Mm-hmm. But it's in its own way, like, much more impactful in like a different definition mm. than like, like joining a tech company. Right. And making like that type of impact. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of like something similar, maybe, of academia. Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot recently about like, um, just the idea of like speculative futures, uh, okay. and like, there's so many narratives in uh, oh, huh. tech, especially like about how the future is going to be, um, like oh. Like, AI is gonna do this or whatever, or like, we're all gonna experience the world through like AR and VR in like five to ten years. And people just say things like that. <laughs> like the, the. Like the, the, the labs. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, in five to ten years, we're all gonna be using AR, VR, and David was like, well, that's assuming that we are going to do that. Yeah, exactly. There's an assumption, like, there's, um, like these. It's like that assumption that tech is the focal point of people's worlds. That and, like, also, these things are only true insofar as, like, we want them to be true or, like, we work to make them true. And, like, I don't think anyone really acknowledges that. Like, people do it backwards, you know? They, like, start from the goal and be like, this is going to be the case. That's the given part. And then we're going to work towards that instead of saying, like, this is where we are, this is what we can do, where do we want to be, and then work towards that, you know? Um, I think the idea of the speculative future is really interesting. Yeah. Two things. First is, like, like how that relates back to speculative design. Yeah. And, like, its usefulness or non-usefulness as a discipline or Mm -hmm. area to produce work in. Yeah. But it also kind of makes me think of uh, Facebook, mm-hmm. and sort of like 
what their speculative future yeah proposition is to us and the rea- the reality right. of it. Yeah, like the guy's memo, like connecting yeah. the world is so de facto good that like that's a huge assumption. That's Facebook's right. like narrativizing. But it's like the speculative yeah. future is like connecting everyone, but like the reality right. of that speculative future is actually like like you know wide scale privacy issues that mm-hmm. are just not coming to light. People like sign up for like one speculative future, but they're actually getting like oh interesting another. Yeah, yeah. It's like a hidden speculative future that mm. is like more dystopian. Like I don't, it's like Black Mirrorish, but it's like right. I don't want to like go into like the whole sci-fi thing but it, sure. you know what I'm you know what I mean I it's do like, know what you mean yeah yeah that that gets an in, into interesting territory because also the like idea of utopia and dystopia like mm-hmm. I'm not sure I believe in that as a dichotomy cuz like I think um like every like everything is like that right like everything has good things and bad things about it I think like the value of speculative design is just like being able to articulate our values of like what we think is good and what we think is bad, um, instead of just, like, assuming that where we're going is good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, like, I think, like, we were talking last night about ethics and yeah, technology. Yeah, being critical about everything. <laughs> right. But, like, I think it's, you can't talk about the ethics of technology without also talking about the ethics of design, because, like... Yeah. Because if technology is reasoning about, like, building things that have consequence, then, like, design is reasoning about how to, like, make decisions about those consequences, maybe. I don't know. But... I think I... Yeah, I mean, I want to get back to that. Just, like, yeah. when we were talking about, like, critical, mm-hmm. like, like, that term... Yeah. ...implies, like, critical thinking implies, like, a way... A way of thinking which that you kind of question the existing status quo mm-hmm. in a way in a way that's become. I feel like that term has come to mean so many things now. Yeah, definitely. Like when I think of, and it comes back to our discussion about how like engineers kind of graduate from Princeton without actually like learning about like the humanist parts of their discipline, mm-hmm. and like how like people conflate sort of critical like engineers as being critical thinkers yeah but like it's like not actually critical thinking it's sort of like analytical thinking right yeah but it's still like that conflation where people are like oh I'm a critical thinker because I'm an engineer mm-hmm. or, but it's like are you actually thinking critically or are you kind of just like oh that does, that gets into like the whole language like yeah that's thing, tricky which is maybe not where I want to we should talk about right but but, like, yeah, because analytical, I mean, right, because critical thinking is not just analysis, but it's also synthesis. It's, yeah. like, taking what you see and then deciding from that, like, what, like, what you'd rather see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Huh. I mean, there's also, like, this isn't so important, but the conflation of criticality with, like, criticism or, like, mm-hmm. uh, negativity, maybe? Like, I don't think... Like, I think yeah. you actually have to be very generous to be critical because, like, you want... you want things to be better. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. like... Yeah, I'm trying to think... I get what you're saying. It's like, how do you... It's like, 
You can be critical, but in a positive way, too. Right, yeah. You can be critical of, like, when you're designing something, you can be, you can be critical yeah. and produce something that is still really yeah, not, like, a necessarily, like, a negative commentary on society. Right, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's not obvious to, to everyone, but... Um, yeah, it's a really interesting, uh, really cool call with um, one of the MIT professors, mm -hmm. uh, and we were talking about he wants to start a data viz class at MIT, and it's going to be the first one uh, within EECS. Um, really? Yeah, and he wants to teach it studio style, uh, which is super cool. That um, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It does. Like, I, I'm surprised it's not more common, but, like, with a component of, like, you know, pure critique and, like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, co collaborative, like, reviews and stuff like that. Yeah. I wonder where DataViz fits in the whole, like, what field does it belong to? Dude, I don't know. <laughs> um... But data is, I mean, it intersects with so many things, and it goes back to the conversation about communication, because, like, a big practical, like, use of data is, is, like, communicating complex uh, ideas through, like, good visual abstractions. Yeah. Um, and that's, like, so crucial for research. Um, like, one of the approaches that people have been taking about machine learning bias is, like, trying to figure out how to make uh, machine learning models more interpretable. Um, so, like, actually being able to explain, like, how a decision is made, mm -hmm. um, and what effect that has on, like, the, the trustworthiness of, of a decision, like, that's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know how far you can get with that. I don't know, I mean, <laughs> that's why it's research, but, yeah. like, there's a... There's, like, an underlying problem of, like, communication and also, like, representation um, that is, like, pretty interesting conceptual territory. Yeah. Uh, of, like, you know, it's design. It's, like, we have something, and, like, depending on the form that we give it, like, it's interpreted in different ways. It kind of makes me, like, yeah, it kind of reminds me, like, the Twitter account you showed me, like, designers should. It's like, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, should designers be in academia? Right. Like, should research institutions hire designers mm -hmm. as part of, like, a staff to kind of work with? like people who are doing research to make their work more accessible or interpretable to others hmm. because we see that with technology companies yeah and like it, I think it's become more and more popular for industry to hire designers but right that's also like we want things to look pretty yeah as opposed to we want things to communicate mm -hmm. things more effective I mean it's a mix of both yeah but I wonder like I, I feel like in academia there's like a certain, um, there's a certain aesthetic mm -hmm. to it where it's also like, if it looks more complicated, then it's better. <laughs> yeah. Which um, is, ugh. Yeah. Um, 
You'd be interested in Distill, probably. I just found out about this really recently. Yeah. Um, do you know about it? It's like, I guess technically it's a journal, but it's like an online, um, like they publish research there, but it's like, I, I don't even understand what it is. I think it's like a Google brain thing, but it's mm-hmm. also like a separate entity. It's like, so it's like, I guess like between academia and industry in, in that sense. But like, uh, anyway, they, they do like web interactive stuff, like in line, like in the paper. Mm-hmm. So like you can actually like mess with parameters and like uh, get like a interactive like visual understanding of like the research like as it's being explained to you <laughs> in text um yeah super interesting like yeah that idea. that kind of makes me think of like python notebooks too yeah yeah exactly and i mean like google has collab which is like yeah. google docs for for jupyter notebooks um it's i mean this is all like exciting because i mean research usually it's just like a pdf with like okay. a bunch of text and like maybe some pictures um but it's like even in even in, in like the traditional academic setting where it's right. like you're producing figures yeah like why does that figure have to look the way it does oh yeah as opposed to you know actually getting someone who has like a data viz understanding right like a des- like a more of a like design type of background totally. to work with you on like making all of that more accessible yeah and there's also a sense where like uh like some people think of like the visualization as the thing that they do last after they've done like all of the analysis whereas like in reality visualization is like a good tool like even when you're just like starting to like begin to analyze and you're you're like in that exploratory phase like it helps you yeah build uh mental models yeah and also it's like actually yeah that's a really good point yeah. Like, well, I mean, I, I right now I'm thinking a lot about the trespass project that I did when I was at Lost. It was like, oh yeah, a bunch of like, universities and then Lost working on like cybersecurity um, right, right, right. parameters and like attack protocols and like how to like mitigate that. Yeah. And like Lost was like kind of there from the beginning. Yeah. And then I I kind of just like went with it without actually thinking about how like weird that actually is to have like consortium of like all these like industry and academic research institutes plus like a design studio yeah that's super cool on like a research-based project yeah and not like uh like not any design like it's lost and yeah. like they're you know they're like uh they're pretty art you know like they're yeah it's not like someone brought in IDEO to, like, do their right. visualizations, yeah. like. So I think, yeah. I wonder if there's, like, a case to be made for, like, having design studios work more with academic institutions. Yeah, definitely. I wonder if that's something we should do. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's really interesting. And I think about Linked, Linked by Air has made, like, a body of work that's just like universities and museums yeah um also like david did that project with gsap yeah that's what i was thinking about too yeah with uh oh, i don't remember but like like a million dollar yeah blocks yeah. or whatever yeah hmm. that's really interesting it's like we should like i wonder if that's 
There's definitely like a manifesto in there. Yeah. Like the case for designers in academia. Yeah. That like it was satisfied by you going to an academic institution and acting as a designer, right? Mm-hmm. But you're also like as we've kind of realized, like an outlier. Mm-hmm. Like just thinking back to like how you talked about like your grad school visits. Yeah. It's like it's like people like even like the people you met like have the vocabulary to do it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they think of applying it to the work that they do. Yeah. And there's also like the people who just like completely disregard it too. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, for me, it's just, like, both of these things, like, research and design, like, so core to, like, how I think about things. It's hard for me to imagine separating them, but that's not the case for everyone, I I expect. Um, That's really interesting. And it's also, like, there's an orange and spoon manifesto in there, too, with, like, me being situated in academia, whereas you're situated in graphic design. Um, but we're, like, collaborating. Right. And, like, you've done work that, you know, engages with research, and, like, I'll be doing research that, of course, like, includes design, so. It's, like, um, what Catherine Yu is doing, right? Yeah. I saw her the other week when I visited CMU. Or I've never met her in person. I just kind of oh, yeah. know of her through right. you and Angela on Twitter. Yeah. But she's, like, doing the visualization, like, for... What's she doing? She's doing something. Yeah. Um, well, she worked on that interpretability project that I was describing um, with... Uh, yeah, and, and she, she also worked on a system for, like, I think generating visualizations of like math, math things. Yeah, that's I'd, what I was thinking. Yeah, about. it's called Penrose. I don't actually remember it well enough to like be able right. to explain it correctly, but um, yeah, it's like like how, how it's like kind of also like tools for making data more accessible, yeah. more information more accessible, and how do you make it so that academics can like you like the computer literacy of some computer science teachers are really it's really sad yeah that that tools framework of thinking about it though is really interesting like that's something that i think she either directly or indirectly introduced me to is like the community of people who think about like tools for thought or like Mm -hmm. um interfaces that like uh I don't know, like, structure your thinking in a certain way, or... Oh, yeah. Like, um... Like mind maps. Like those. I guess. But also, like, I don't know, like, to me, in a sense, like, all interfaces are kind of like this, because, like, <laughs> good ones anyway, like, have well, yes. distinct, like... Yeah. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, Books. Right. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, but, like, <laughs> books. No, no I'm books. just, like, thinking, like, yes, we can go down this route, but how productive will it be? Yeah. To be like, yes, everything is a tool for thinking, and everything <laughs> right. is a tool for visualizing. 
No. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, like, I agree with that completely. Yeah. Like, that sentiment is totally, like, I'm on board 100%, but it's, right. like... Yeah, we're... That's, like, more of a manifesto we're, type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than, uh... Fair enough. Like, yeah. Um... Just, uh, yeah. Well, carry equally. Yeah. Books, though, I mean, I was reading this Namjoon Kate interview... Because mm-hmm. uh, I was looking up stuff about random access. Oh, yeah. And, like, he was saying, like, uh, the advantage that books had over electronic media was that you could, like, they have the access, the random access property. Like, you can flip an encyclopedia mm-hmm. open to any page, but you have to, like, go through a tape, like, sequentially or whatever. Um, and that's why he, like, cut off the tape and put it on the wall and, like, factored out the playhead. So you could, like, access a tape, like, you'd flip the pages of a book. I'm trying to think also about, like, Wikipedia. Like, you can, yeah. you can do random articles, right? But how is that interaction different? Like, the end result is the same, but the interaction is different. Hmm. Well, I think, uh, hmm. Well, Wikipedia is also, like, hypertext, right? So, I guess if you, like, make a data structure as an analogy, like, if a book is an array, then, like, Wikipedia is, like, I don't know, like, there's an array in the front, but then all the items of the array are also, like, in a graph. So, there's a word for that, probably. That is going to be a really interesting idea for an encyclopedia. Yeah. It's, because, yeah, like, the hypertext is, like, this invisible link. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, like, what if you, like, had an encyclopedia where you basically, like, like, had a, you, like, laser cut a hole from, like, one link to another mm-hmm. th- through the book. Ooh. So it's, like, if it's an article, like, you, um... Continents uh-huh. and then like enumerates all the continents, and there's like you laser cut from Africa to the entry on Africa, mm-hmm. and it's just like full of holes. But it's like also like, huh? I like together, that. like, yeah, that's a great visual too. Because yeah. in the encyclopedia, would be thick, so it's like a block, but then there's like tunnels through it, and that's like a really strong, like, spatial metaphor, yeah. Like how pe- people think about wormholes as like tunnels, yeah, no, right? exactly. Yeah. It's a wormhole. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like also literally because worms eat books, but yeah, book yeah, worms, oh, yeah. Book worms. <laughs> yeah. I think you have to make this now. I don't know how you would do that. But. I can pay someone to make it. <laughs> now you're a real artist. Yeah, I made this piece in Nathan's class. Like he, our midterm assignment was like about flight and stuff. Yeah. So I made this piece, which is like the. I was like trying to like bastardize, like, like make flight and not flight. Mm-hmm. So one of the things, so I cast like a balloon and caster mm-hmm. and plaster. Yeah. But then I also like filled a balloon with salt water and put it into like a salt water and a salt water tank. Mm-hmm. And so it's like different salinities cause different interactions to happen. Right. Um, in terms of how objects float. Mm-hmm. 
But then, like, this is exactly how Jeff Koons did the basketball piece. Right, yeah, yeah. And, like, I was, like, telling Nathan, I don't want to, like, I don't want it to be, like, look like, look like a Jeff Koons piece. Right. And, like, why do I have a Jeff Koons complex? Because he, like, is, like, such a commercial artist, maybe. Right. I mean, also, like, people like that, like him and, like, who, I guess, like, Damien Hurst, I guess, like, they don't even... They're, like, Logan's, like... <laughs> right, well. <laughs> but, but, like, I'm pretty sure I've read, I don't remember who exactly it was, but I'm sure it's many people, like, they don't even make their own pieces. Like, yeah. their assistants make them, and then they put their name on it. And, like, the name is the valuable part, not the hand, right? That's really interesting, because, like, conceptual art is, like, like, that in relation to conceptual art, whereas, like, conceptual art, Mm -hmm. Solowit is, like, here's, like, a description of what I want to do, and every Mm -hmm. time you make it, the gallery makes it. But he still gets um, attribution for that. Right, and, like, George Brecht, and, like... Mm -hmm. Uh, Maholi Naj, like the right. telephone paintings. Yeah. yeah. But then, like in this, but it's like, it's the same thing, I think, but also different with like, yeah. how like, um, Jeff Koons does it, because Jeff Koons employs the people to do it, whereas with Solowit, the institution employs the people that does it. Oh, interesting. And there's like, I'm just thinking about, been thinking about attribution, like, and mm-hmm. how like, all that plays in the hand, like, if, like, like, Solowit, like, comes up with the idea, but then someone else makes the piece, and that person is employed by the institution, which mm-hmm. is displaying it, like, should they deserve any credit? Right. <laughs> Especially because the people that make it may not necessarily be artists. Right. right. Um, but that's also his whole point, but Solowit's also, whole point also is that everybody does things their own way, which is kind of like his way of getting randomness. Right. But then, in having it always be by him, it kind of like defeats that point. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But then like the Jeff Koons thing is like he hires people to do it, but like, where, like what is that recognition that they get? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Like I wonder if studio assistants for those people, like, I don't know, get better jobs afterwards like because they were like oh yeah. I was so and so's assistant like or are they just stuck in like studio assistant purgatory yeah. and like never break out on their own but it's also like branding like Jeff Koons is like a brand right. versus like a name mm-hmm. like in that way it becomes much closer to like um commercial companies where mm-hmm. like you work for like that's never this is never an issue with like commercial companies you work right. for a company and you're like I work for them and like whatever yeah but in the art world where like I guess authorship is so much more important mm-hmm. like you can work for Jeff Koons or maybe like people don't mind maybe yeah. we're just like making an issue out of that thing but there is like the whole like obsession of authorship in the art world that mm-hmm. And, like, responsibility for creating a piece. Mm-hmm. And that goes both ways versus, like, hiding behind, like, a commercial, like, company. Yeah. It's also a difference between art and design. Because, of course, like... I mean, not all design is like this, but a lot of design takes the attitude that, like, you know, it 
should like quote unquote dis- disappear. I can't believe I'm saying this, but like um, Crystal Goblet. Yeah, which no, but uh, again, like I mean, the mm-hmm. the kind of like factoring out of like the artist identity as like separate from its uh, yeah. like reception is like a more designery attitude. Um, well, that also gets into like the attribution for designers. Yeah. And then, of course, it gets into, like, the collaborative mode of working, too, like, with us. Um, like, for example, the, the time font, like, mm-hmm. that was us talking, and then, like, there's no, there's no, like, clear, like, who's to say which one of us, like, said, mm-hmm. like, does, does it matter who said it first, or, like, because then, like, the idea changes as it goes along, and then, like, like, you end up making the thing on your computer and then like but somebody had to and it's not like I couldn't have so yeah. like something like that is like truly like actually both of ours um but that gets also but it's like even more from that it's like yeah. that conversation only happened because of all the other conversations that's happened right yeah that's yeah that's true so but then without like but then you could also say that for like like individual pieces too Mm-hmm. But I think that's like a bit less. Like that's true, but it's also like less true. I don't know. Of individual, or can you explain that a bit more? Like, like we each did our own shows and we each did our own pieces, but like yeah. each of the pieces was kind of developed from like conversations that we've had. But it's still like our work, whereas yeah. like the time piece we consider. It's also like. Your definition, like definitions of authorship and where it begins and ends. Right, that's true. Yeah, and also like David's presence in all of our work because like I'm pretty sure. Like there's, right. Yeah, like everyone should. I don't think it occurred to me to turn it into a book until David suggested it. Right. Um, and it would be a lot worse if it wasn't a book. <laughs> so, you know, um, like. In one sense, like, that's what he does because he's our advisor, but in another sense, like, that's... But it also doesn't end with him. Right. Like, you can go up to Carl, or, like, go up to Carl's teacher, right? Yeah. And just keep going until yeah. you get back to, like, Albert Durer or something. <laughs> um, the first designer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, well, yeah, so, like, is is there a sense in which, like, it's not useful to... Like this, um, like what? How much usefulness do you get about from thinking about authorship? Yeah, and this goes back to the conversation about novelty. To like, mm. there's there's very few things that are like actually novel. Um, yeah, like even biometric sands. Like, I thought I was a genius for coming up with that, and then like. David David shows us, like, the Apple video that, like, I mean, it's not the same idea, but it's, like, a similar, like, formal mm-hmm. trick with stretching the strokes font. Um, <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> um, yeah, so, like... Yeah, I guess it's not... I guess it's not useful. I don't know. But then, like... It's it's not it's not useful from like an idealistic sense, but then like in a practical sense, like you have to like, but mm-hmm. like because of 
how things are. Not how they should be, but like because of how they are, we have to put names on things. But it's so. also like unique in there's like unique in a formal sense and there's a unique in a piece sense too. Right. So like all the ideas that go into biometric stands make it unique. Yeah. Compared to the Apple thing, but formally they are trans like formally they're executing on the same principles. Right. Oh yeah, that, that's for sure. Manipulation. Yeah. Which is also interesting. Then it's like, but then it's like the uh, pyramid art piece, right? The yeah. it's like you can arrive at the same piece, and then that gets into my complaint about like idea and like studios and like process too. Right. But it's like you can arrive at the same piece and have it not appear unique, but be completely unique because of the way it was produced. Yeah, and thought about. Yeah, that's the sense in which like it's not the same piece. Because, right. like, that's going back to what you said about solo wit, like, the bodily difference of, like, or just, like, the oh, just that's sub also subjective true, yeah. difference, or, like, the difference, just, like, by virtue of being separate mm -hmm. identities producing the thing, you get separate things. Mm -hmm. Identity. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I mean, that also gets. There's a sense in which, like, ideas are cheap and, like, I have more of them than I'll ever make. And then, like, does it matter if you. Actually, I woke up this morning and I saw uh, that Fluid Interfaces had. Out with oh, yeah, that thing. the sub vocalization thing yeah. which I literally pitched to a professor like a month ago oh really yeah because um, I, I didn't know I mean I didn't know that was happening and like I don't feel any kind of way about it but I just think it's like you know like that's the way it goes if you don't make it first someone else will because like ideas don't just oh, yeah. appear it's out of like nowhere how, like, it's how Angela feels yeah people are doing what she's doing, but, like, who gets her first? Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's how, like... That's how industry... That's how capitalism... That's how everything works. Like, first to the patent office is, like, you yeah. know, the whole, like, Edison-Tesla thing. Hmm. Um, so... That's sad. I mean, it's not a complaint. It's just, no. like, a, an observation about the nature of, like, ideas versus execution. Like, you... Yeah... Well, then it's like, people get lauded for getting there first, but then, like, the whole reason why Apple is lauded is because they do, not, they do, they don't do novel things, but they do it the best. Mm. But, maybe that's not, not as a thing in academia, because you can be, like... Like the first row novel idea is better than like improving on that novel idea to make it better. Yeah, I mean also like in that particular example, I don't think sublocalization is like done. Like that's one yeah. thing. I'm more interested in like the general generalizable knowledge that we can like get from like what do we learn from that instance of like a broader phenomenon? Um, 
and like if I were to do that project, I would do it differently, and I would care about different things. Yeah. Um, so, like my interest in that is like more <laughs> about just like uh, different like like when you only. Like the the, yeah. the idea of like multimodal interaction and like the um, like bodily traces of like you know gesture and like um, all of the like nonverbal cues that we like make when we communicate with other people are like in a sense filtered out by digital interfaces right now. Um, so I mean that's. Interesting. But that piece, yeah, that that piece is really interesting too. Yeah. I wrote Facebook's priorities for me with that technology. Hmm. It was so creepy last night when I found out. Or it's like like we knew it, but like we didn't really know it. I don't yeah, the, the like, Facebook political leaning. Thing. Right. Um, it's funny because I think they oh, like yeah. cleaned up the interface recently. I looked at it in 2016 when we were working on uh, Paula Echo, uh, and it was just like tucked away in a corner, and it was like it just looked like the rest of settings. Um, they re they redesigned it, which is like ridiculous to me because. I think they actually think that, like, that's a way to solve the problem that they're facing, is, like, give users, like, easier controls over their own privacy. And, and really, it's, like, two different things mm. that are, like, we were talking about how hiding the thing, one, is, like, still information for advertisers, and two, like, doesn't remove your data, it just, like stops it it's like the very last yeah. mile of like the ad getting shown to you that's like being affected and not any of the stuff behind it so huh so you know how we were talking about like how even if you don't have that like facebook's api makes it so that advertiser advertisers can still build that and like come to the conclusion that you're like of one type of political leaning right yeah like the but yeah, but like what I'm thinking about right now is like, doesn't Politico do the exact same thing, but does it in a way that appear like that functions as a tool for realizing that? Mm -hmm. Like it collects all this information and analyzes your feed, yeah, based upon what sources you like or don't like, and creates like that. Yeah, and like you guys also make the assumptions that like certain sources are more liberal. Yeah. Or not. So, like, you got, like mm -hmm. using that tool, like, you could come to the same conclusion as mm -hmm. Facebook does mm -hmm. and then sell it to an advertiser. Yeah. But then it's interesting, I think, because you're, like, people have sort of lauded Politico for being, like, a tool that, like, makes that apparent yeah. in a way. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think that's, like, both a design and framing stance, but also, like, an interesting is, like, how do, like, people... It's it's like a framing thing. Yeah. At the end of the day. Well, not entire. I mean, there, it's framing, but there also are like substantial differences. Like I think, 
<laughs> I'm in defend my work mode. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I don't mean to criticize your work. No, no. no. <laughs> I think it's just like a, like it doesn't have to be political, but it can be like any tool for social good that analyzes things and like right. brings things to light that yeah. people don't criticize because they're granted social good tools. Yeah, but also like, I like third party. Like, there's okay. Um, there's like so many different. Directions yeah. I could go in this. I'm trying to decide what I want to say. Um, but there's also, like, the fact that you don't do that either. But Right, yeah. right. Yeah, sh- I mean, like, obviously, we don't store any data. It makes it actually, like, I mean, we didn't even use it for research. Like, one, because I didn't know how to back then, but also because, like, it was just completely easier to get people to trust it if, like, we don't store anything, and we're, like, very transparent about that. Um, yeah. What I want to say, though, is, like, uh, I guess... One thing that this reminds me of that I've been thinking about is, like, different models of accountability, Mm. um, of which, like, ethics is only one of them, because, like, right now Facebook is using, like, the ethics model where they're, like, accountable to themselves, Um, like, they trust themselves to make the right decisions, uh, but there's no one really forcing them to, Um, Mm -hmm. and that hasn't gone so well so far. There's also, like... um, there's, like, transparency, which, like, I guess makes them accountable to their users, like, and, and they're, I guess this is kind of what they're trying to do with the privacy tool, but, like, not completely, because, like, there's still, right. like, we don't know how any of this works, like, where it goes, um, there's, like, one layer of it, there's, like, yeah, so anyway, transparency, but there's also, like, auditability, mm-hmm. which, like, makes you accountable to, like, an independent third party, um, and like that's what open source tries to do right well right. yeah i mean i i can't tell actually i mean i haven't thought about this for long enough if yeah. open source i consider that transparency or auditability because i think there's a difference like yeah. auditability means like even if you don't tell the public like how it works like there's another entity that doesn't have like a conflict of interest that the public trusts that mm-hmm. you tell like so like even right. if facebook doesn't show their code to their users, if they show their code to, like, the government, and, like, the we, like, assuming we trust the government, and the government looks at it, uh, right, like, that's a different model, right, um, uh, yeah, I guess so. I'm saying, like, open source is one example, not, like, right, yeah, yeah, um, but it's also, like, transparency gets into an interesting thing, I mm-hmm. think, because, like, the tool, yeah, that, like, the privacy thing, mm-hmm. um, in a way, like, if they're redesigning it to make it easier for people to understand, yeah. then I would say that's an, a step forward for being transparent. Because you can, be, you can say that you're transparent, yeah. and this gets back to, like, the whole intellectualizing or academ- academicizing or, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, hiding things through yeah. difficult or hard design. It's like, you can say you're transparent and, like, you provide everything, but yeah. if it's provided in a way that was completely not understandable by, like, most of the population. Right. Then, like, I would say that's, like, the equivalent of not being transparent. Yeah. Well, I would say, I would criticize this because, like, I think it's, it's transparency, like, in the wrong place, though. It's, like, transparency that's used as a tool to, like, distract from, like, another thing that they're keeping opaque. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's a sense in which transparency isn't mm-hmm. unilaterally good because, like, it's all about, like, revealing and hiding right um it's like 
we're going to be transparent here so we don't have to be transparent yeah. over here and like this is where the actual stuff is happening. It's like the same with audits. So. It's like we're going to have somebody audit one thing yeah. and like people are going to misread that and think that they've audited everything right. too. So misdirection yeah. too. Back to the like clear responsible communication thing that we started on. Like, right. Yeah. Um, misconstruing results. It of, makes like, me think of ULOs a lot too. Uh, Oh, end user license agreements, license agreements like terms yeah. and conditions, like mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Yeah. Oh, there's a. I think I put this in some chat somewhere, but like, really interesting case uh, going on right now where like four professors are suing uh, the government about the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act mm -hmm. because they say that uh, in order to audit tech platforms for discrimination, they have to break terms of service. Um, mm. Either by, like, creating bots that scrape websites or by creating fake accounts. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, it's like, I mean, it's like yeah. the issues you're running into with Twitter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, or it's closer to, like, the issues yeah. we ran into with Paul Echo, where, like, yeah. we definitely broke the terms of service to, to scrape the stuff. Uh, and, yeah, but... It's like they should... Right. If there's, like, that... If they want to be... Res it's like... But it's like, is it a government type of thing? Or it's, it's also, like, a company type... Maybe, like, government... It's easier to just, like, kill one... Like, all the birds of, like, just getting through the government. Right. Well, there's also historical things about the Computer Fraud mm -hmm. Abuse Act that make this, like... Oh, okay. Everyone mostly agrees that it's, like, too stringent because it's really old. Mm -hmm. Um... And, like, it's also, it's kind of silly, because, like, the question is kind of, like, how enforceable are terms and conditions? Um, then, and I think the judge ruled that it's not enforceable at all. Right, but, I mean, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a legal scholar, but, yeah. like, it's, yeah, like, for, I think there was, like, a, a study, like, trying to figure out if there was discrimination on, like, Airbnb's algorithms. Like, they mm -hmm. had to create a lot of, like, fake personas. Right. With, like, different attributes to, like, figure that out. Um, because there's no, like... There's no, like, corporate mode or, like, inst yeah. institutional mode where it's like, oh, if you're a researcher, then we can give you, like... Right. These, like... Yeah. Like, if you, like, prove, like, that you're doing it in an academicized mm -hmm. setting... Yeah. ...in a non-malicious way, then, right. like, you should be able to, like, do this. Yeah. And there's also, like... I mean, I wonder if that's, like... That's something we want, but it's also, it's got its own tricky, because, well, like... You could, didn't, this, you could, I mean, isn't that what happened with Cambridge Analytica? Yeah. Like, some research results, all of that data, too. Uh, the Cambridge Analytica thing is so frustrating, because, like, like, I don't know, I, I don't know how I feel about that, but, like, it definitely, yeah, it harms the images or it harms the image of researchers uh, yeah. in a way, like, even though I don't think, like, anyway, I don't really know how I feel about that, but, yeah. um, what I was gonna say was, like, mm -hmm. uh, the, there's, like, a Facebook study that was, like, internal to Facebook, I mean, but with, like, academics from universities mm -hmm. who were, like, doing their, like, doing some kind of, like, residence or something, like, Facebook data science, I think, was the situation. Um, but, mm -hmm. like, they had access to, like, Facebook internal data, and they were, like, able to publish a paper about, uh, like, the Gulf of 
effect in the Facebook newsfeed, and they like measured it and like came up with some numbers, and they were like low or whatever. Um, but like the, the problem is that like no one can reproduce this study because like they used internal Facebook data. So I mean, mm. it's not that I don't trust the researchers, but like mm. we, it's there's it's not verifiable. Um, I mean. That being said, I think the numbers are good, but also, like, there's valid criticisms, too, of, like, the way the paper was written that kind of, like, obscured some of the, like, more important findings and, like, focused on, like, stuff that we kind of already knew. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, like, interesting difficulties of, like, there's a sense in which, like, you, the only way to do this kind of research is, like, as a third-party, like, independent, um, entity which is like kind of, which is the theory behind like uh nate's nonprofit civil servant like mm-hmm. um yeah or from my understanding anyway i, mean, I don't want to misrepresent but yeah like I, I that's like tricky too because it's like how much of like researchers also have to kind of understand that like corporations can't always give everything out yeah for like various like trade secret or and also like privacy privacy I mean, yeah. yeah like there are various reasons that complicate yeah. the relationship between third party researchers is like between academics as independent third party researchers or like mm-hmm. integrated into the yeah. company it's tricky Yeah, and, like, who oversees the researchers, right? Because, like, when you're at a university, you have the IRB that you have to be accountable to. Um, they follow you. It's like how a fire safety lasts a lifetime. <laughs> IRB, like, the same IRB people just follow you everywhere you go. <laughs> fire safety lasts a lifetime. I've never heard anyone say that. It's in their, um... Oh. In the, in the things that you get when you get inspected. Okay. It's like, you were inspected, blah, 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 like this date, and it's like, mm-hmm. that's one, it's just fire safety lasts a lifetime. You are not required to fight fires. 